Hello and welcome to the Huddersfield Town preview show in association with Sportsbroker. I'm joined today by James Beck and Dan Payne of our analysis department at Huddersfield Town. Um, thank you too, first of all, for, for taking the time on, on, the, on the day off to, to speak to me. Um, if you want to just introduce yourselves to, to the viewers and, and the town fans and, and give an overview of, of who you are and what your job is. Um, Beck, if we start with you. Yeah, so I'm James Beck. Um, my current title is uh, Head of Analysis and Innovation uh, for the club. Uh, I'd say my sort of main role in the analysis department is sort of the post-match side of the game and individual analysis. So I work heavily with uh, Nas and Danny Schofield for the individuals, obviously looking at opposition players. Um, can be quite hectic, obviously, there's this game stick and fast. Um, so it's trying to churn out a lot of uh, video for, for the players, but it's just to give them the best advantage possible for the individuals. And the post-match side of that is uh, working again with Narciss, Jorge, Danny, Carlos. Uh, we do quite a lot of meetings at the club. Um, so it's imperative that the post-match meetings are, are very well collaborated with the coach and myself. And then the innovation side is something that's quite new to the club. And I think it's new to sort of the sport industry. Still new to me, obviously okay. it's quite a transitional role for us. Um, I'd say the best way to describe it is trying to put sort of processes in place for the club going forward uh, and sort of future thinking and future research. Um, again, it's quite a transitional role, so it's something I'm still new to myself um, and I feel like it's just going to sort of progress um, as, as the season goes on. But yeah, that's it. it's more behind the scenes work, which I'm not saying I can't disclose it, but um, there's a lot of good things going on behind the scenes. Yeah. And what about yourself, Dan? Uh, yes, my current title is Lead First Team Performance Analyst. Um, my role is sort of primarily around the pre and sort of match day processes. So how we look okay. at opposition teams ahead of games, the sort of build into them. Um, there's a team of currently now just two of us that are sort of overseeing sort of analysis of an opponent before we play them. And that allows us a bit of rotation because... Obviously, with a tight schedule um, in the championship, it's a quick turnaround all the time. So, sort of churn yeah. out a lot of sort of analysis on opponents. Um, that sort of basically is a process of like looking into what it is that that opponent is going to do before we play them. Um, anything tactically we can sort of prepare the coaches for before they go out onto the training pitch or sit down with the players to sort of give a little bit of detail about what we're going to face and then therefore how we can exploit that or maybe how we can make sure that their strengths don't sort of make more show vulnerabilities in us. Um, okay. So, yeah, there's a lot of um, a lot that goes into that. Um, and then yeah. there's a lot of sort of meetings and such that James has obviously mentioned already um, that sort of are basically attributed to what goes on in the background before it goes to the players. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of a, a brief, very, a very brief summary yeah. of the role. No, I'm sure, I'm sure it's a, a top line overview compared to what you're actually getting. So, um, something that's quite interesting is is analysts and, and things that I think are quite a, a new addition to the sort of footballing landscape. It's something probably only in the last ten years or so that has has really come into fruition. How did you two both come into the field, and what was your professional journey into becoming an analyst? Dan, if, if you want to sort of like know how you, yeah, how sure, you yeah. came to be. Um, in all honesty, I think how it originally initiated was like sort of almost very lucky. I sort of gone to university in Southampton, um, knew that I wanted to go into sport, had a passion and love for football. Um, obviously, most people do now, it seems. Um, 
So I, I basically had no idea what it was that was going to take me there um, or how yeah. I was going to get there or what I was actually going to end up doing. Um, you sort of find out more within these courses that, you know, analysis is something that you can actually get into. It's actually realistic to sort of see a future working within football. Yeah. Um, myself, I'd always had quite a sort of a higher level of sort of want to watch and analyse and break down games without realising to an extent almost what I was doing. Um, yeah. Spending a lot more hours than sort of friends watching games and looking at it in a different way. Yeah. Um, managed to get an internship post-university with Charlton Athletic. Um, so this was now sort of eight years back, I think, roughly. Um, right. Worked in a year in the academy, um, then worked two years, I think it was, in the first team. Okay. Um, so that was working with Charlton when they were in the championship and then League One. Um, mm -hmm. before moving on to Chef Wednesday. Um, and at Sheffield Wednesday, that was um, a mixture of academy and first team sort of work, primarily overseeing a head of department role, similar to what James has now, um, but with Chef Wednesday. Um, and then sort of a lot of assisting around the first team and sort of training up with staff to sort of do different roles whilst overseeing, I guess, roles throughout the whole academy. So looking at, you know, under nines all the way up to the under 23s, um, to a lot of age groups and a lot of different ways to sort of deliver this content because yeah. different learning styles and ages are going to take things on differently. So there's a lot of, you know, like theory behind it that stems back to the university side of things where you sort of find out from studies and things how people learn, how they'll take on information, how you can best distribute that to, to them so they can actually take it on board and, you know, like develop and understand that better. Um, and then, yeah, um, two, well, a year ago now, I think 14 months or something like that, um, came over to Huddersfield to take on the first team role. Um, and then, yeah, here we are now, I guess, a year later uh, in this position. That's a, a nice summary of, of your career. What about yourself, Beck? Is it, was it something similar? Did it come from university? Yeah, definitely. It's definitely a similar sort of route to Dan. So I obviously went to Sheffield Helm University to sport and exercise science. Again, I just wanted to get into sports similar to Dan. Um, I wasn't sure if it was sort of sports science, PE teaching, analysis. Because to be fair, before I came to yeah. university, I didn't really hear much about analysis, to be honest. It was uh, luckily yeah. it was the module that we did on the course. Um, and then that sort of piqued my interest. And then I actually managed <laughs> to get sort of like a six-week placement with Huddersfield at the time. Um, whilst I was at university, sort of doing sports science and analysis with the first team. And then never since from that, really, mate, it's, it's sort of really piqued my interest into getting into analysis more. So then obviously then did my course at university and luckily sort of got a bit of a part-time role at the club um, and mm. then started sort of in the academy with the under-18s age group at the time. And then obviously we had the, the academy restructure from category two to four, which then um, sort of changed the European age groups to 17s, 19s and EDT at the time. And I sort of landed the role as sort of the 17s analyst. Um, similar responsibilities to what Dan would have been doing, but then... Um, about a couple of years after that, uh, I then became sort of the head of the academy analysis department, um, similar to role what Dan was doing, but more looking at age groups, obviously from 17 to 19, and obviously now the B team, because obviously we scrapped the, the 9 to 16 age groups at the time. Yeah. Um, which that was just sort of my start of the journey into analysis at Huddersfield Town. And then obviously things have changed, analysis have moved on, and then now sort of in the summer um sort of come into this role um so it's still new to me obviously sort of working that first year environment but 
I think every day and every week, um, it's it's becoming a lot a lot better. Um, so yeah, that's sort of, that's sort of my journey into it. To be fair, Huddersfield lad, so it's quite nice to uh, work for the that's team nice. as well. So. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I think for for from the outside looking in, people often. Uh, look at analysis, and you know they think if they're red inverting the pyramid or read a couple of Michael Cox Michael Cox pieces, and they're an analyst themselves, and that's not quite the you know long and short of it. The the, the work that you guys put in is a lot different to that, um, and they kind of think you know what what Gary Neville does on Monday Night Football is analysis with the the fancy board and stuff, but it's it's a lot different than that. So, Beck, if we start with you, could you kind of run through? what your day-to-day actually looks like on a, say, a weekday compared to a match day or things like that? What what actually goes into your job as an analyst? Yeah, I think, I think the best way to describe it from my point of view is, is every day is a lot different. Um, especially <laughs> when you're in the academy, like you, you could literally be, obviously because how many games there are in that programme, obviously in the first team programme, all the days are different. Um, obviously, you've got your main responsibilities, like I alluded to earlier with the individuals, which is, quite a big chunk of my my days sort of week to week um, yeah. in terms of working obviously with Danny and Narcissus on that and then because you sort of spend a lot of time going through through players um, obviously which sort of links into the opposition house that Dan and Mackenzie do um, and that can sort of take a day or two um, but obviously with my role sort of, sort of heading the department obviously there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes in terms of whether it's uh, meetings with external software providers, uh, meetings with other departments, heads of departments, planning meetings, just sort yeah. of plan the week really, because obviously it is a, a hectic week um, and the weeks do go really fast as of so now we're nearly at the Christmas period. Um, so my days are quite different. Um, I can be one minute in a meeting, then the next minute I find out I'm in three other meetings, just, just randomly <laughs> on the day. So it, it can be, that was literally yesterday. So it can be quite hectic and there's a lot of IDP meetings with the players. So individual development plans with um, the transitional players like Scotty Highs, um, Levi Coles, obviously, I know he's on loan, but he's sort of that young player transition to first team football. Um, yeah. Good work from just not my department, but different departments that go into that as well. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd say what I quite like about my role is that every day is quite different. Uh, and sometimes yeah. when you're going to work, you think you've got a plan of what you see the schedule, like, right, okay, I'm doing my meeting there, 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 I need to be there. But then 10 minutes later, it could all change and it can be quite hectic. But I think that's quite the, the nice role about my my job is that um, every day is different. Yeah. Um, Dan, I've probably seen you doing your job more than I've seen Beck doing his, just purely because when we travel to and from games, we'll... Will sometimes be on the same bus, and yeah. and it seems to be you know people almost assume as soon as the full time whistle's gone, that's it, job's done for the week. But that's where your job seems to start because you're straight yeah. onto the laptop, passing it around with the assistant coaches, you know, talking about things, pulling players for for you know individual breakdowns and things. Could you give us a, a little in, a insight into into what you do? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so. I guess starting sort of like in the pre-match um, build up to things, we are um, taking games for the opponent and straight away you need to be thinking about um, possibly if we are playing that team home or away um, for yep. which games we're going to look at. So obviously you want to see more recent games, but mm-hmm. you also have to think about, okay, we're going to play them away. It's going to be an evening game. Are there recent evening, evening games where they have played? at yeah. home and therefore away for the opponent so straight away you've got to think about sort of circumstance and things um 
you've got to start looking straight away. We tend to try and break down what the squad looks like for an opposing team. So, you know, right. do they have a very set team that is clearly like a 3-4-3 or a 4-4-2, 4-3-3, whatever it might be, straight away mm-hmm. you need to analyse the squad and sort of break down, okay, this is the most likely lineup. These are the minutes they're playing, the appearances they're making. Um, so you'd sort of do a quick sort of, I say quick, you do a squad depth analysis on the opponent straight away and that gives you an insight, okay, so we're going to play them at this time, this is their squad, mm-hmm. uh, likely formations and things, and of course we can pull uh, information from third-party uh, third data providers to sort of give us a little yeah. bit of insight, again, into style of play and things before you start watching the team. Mm-hmm. Um, it sort of differs with every coach, um, of course, like what it is that they want to focus on in terms of how we look at a team, in terms of how their building's playing out, yeah. if they go direct, um, the phases of play that they go through to try and create chances and build attacks and then flip reverse. Are they a high-pressing team? Do they tend to stand off? So there's very um, sort of almost like regimented things that we're looking at, but of course every team is different and that's where the sort of, I guess the fun part of the job for me is that you're watching a game and football's never the same. There's so many variables in football, it's just game to game is going to be very different and you've got to try and break down and sort of show the consistencies within a team. Yeah. Then that will lead into a lot of meetings that we primarily have with Jorge. Jorge is kind of like the sort of main opposition analyst, uh, coach, sorry, in terms of the way that the coaches then feed that information to one another before they go out. Yeah. They plan with Carlos and such for training and then sort of plans going into the game. Um, there's then obviously, of course, set play analysis, um, which is Narciss's area. Yeah, is very good with that in terms of the way that he approaches it. Um, he's also become very good this over the last sort of season or so in terms of using sports code himself. So he's actually becoming a bit of an analyst himself at times now, um, which is fantastic. Um, he's really sort of like wanting to use that and sort of assist in a way with us in terms of how we break down the opposing teams in the way that they sort of might structure for a set play in terms of you know, like from corners, are they going like a four and two? Is that quite consistent with the way they attack in the setup in the yeah. box? Do they tend to go short, um, flip reverse it? Are they a zonal team? Are they mixed? Like you have to break down every sort of area of the game and show the consistencies. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of like the pre-match, I guess, in a brief summary in terms of um, how you would look at a team. Um, Carlos is very big on the opposing lineups of a team. So that's right. all the formational things, the structure in terms of where teams might change in a game for personnel, are the consistencies in terms of what minutes they look to make changes. Um, are they playing with more eights in terms of the midfielders? Like very sort of, you know, positional based information in terms of any changes in the game. Does the eight always become a 10 at some point or? When they're chasing the game, what shapes are they changing to? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of background stuff again that sort of where we look over like 10 games roughly um, for you know shapes and changes and things so that we can really try and nail down exactly what that opponent is going to bring in any circumstance or situation. Yeah. Um, of course, then on the match day, um, we have obviously meetings and such for the pre uh, all the pre-match stuff which is delivered to the players be that at hotels and such like the night before um which is sort of like led by coaches but assisted by the analysts um obviously we've mm-hmm. sort of put that together and worked with the coaches to sort of put together the final presentation summaries because 
of course, you have to be considerate of how many meetings we might have and how many minutes the players are watching content because, of yeah. course, they're only going to be able to, as all humans can, they can only sort of pay attention to this sort of content for a certain amount of time before it becomes too much. Yeah, but you could probably information overload them and, and exactly, you yeah. give them too much. Yeah, exactly. So you've always got to be thinking, like, there's so much we can tell them, but what are the key messages? Um, yeah. So that's sort of then obviously going into the match day build-up. Um, of course, on those match days, the individuals that uh, James has looked at over the week in terms of the breakdowns, in terms of what you know strengths and weaknesses or areas to exploit individually we can expose to the players. So if Lewis yeah. is going to be up against you know another eight on the day, what are his traits as an eight to try and you know be on the ball and how does he going to sort of build play for that team and how can Lewis therefore adapt to it and sort of better his opponent individually. Yeah. Um, of course, last season, especially, we were quite more of an individual-based team out of possession. Um, right. That has changed a little bit this season, but the individual battles are key, and that's a big thing for Carlos in terms of making sure that we are always aware to our direct opponents. So those videos on a match day, as you've mentioned, are sort of on the iPads. Um, we'll discuss, you know, players if need be. We're sort of there to hand if need be for, you know, discussing a player or going through some of their clips with them on the iPads in the dressing room. Um, yeah. Then once um, myself and Danny usually have gone out and found out what your position team is, there's that very quick scramble to make sure, okay, were we prepped well enough to, like, is this what we predicted? Are they going to be yeah. slightly different? Is there a formational change? Um, and then straight from that point, it's okay, set plays. Who's going to be whose individual mark now in terms of these are the likely attacking players for them based on their lineup. Um, mm -hmm. So we can, we're trying to make things predictable going into that game. So the last minute decisions are very on point in terms of, okay, this is the message now. This is your marker. This is who you're up against. Yeah. This is what you can expect in your game. Have you got all the information as a player? Okay, great. That's sort of my job in the dressing room pre-match sort of done. And then, of course, live um, during the game. Um, we're up on the gantry, of course, covering the game footage-wise and sort of just yeah. making sure that, you know, speaking with Danny, who's usually up with us on the gantries, home and away. Um, we're sort of communicating to the bench via Clem just to make sure that, of course, that the plan that we have is going the way we want it to, any adaptations and changes, you know, like if the coaches want to see anything, of course, we need to be sending the clips down. It's just constant information, constant sort of making sure that we are collecting everything possible to influence performance and sort of impact the game as much as possible so that we can get the right results. Um, and I've skipped over a lot of things such as, you know, like <laughs> with the goalkeepers, of course, we have a keeper analyst, Adam. Um, he does all the pre-match um, stuff around training and sort of going into games. Yeah. We'll always give the attacking trends of opponents to Clem and the keepers to make sure that they yeah. understand, okay, this is how they tend to have their attacks be built. These mm -hmm. are their threats. Um, penalty and free kick analysis, of course, again, you know, when it comes to Lee being in that situation at the moment where he's in a penalty and he's up against the, like the opposing player, he knows realistically where that player is going to go based on trends of where he has taken penalties in the past. Okay. So, yeah, every little area that of the game has got to be, you know, really nailed down. And those are the sort of processes we go through to make sure that hopefully the players are getting as much information or the right amount of information as possible.
Nothing's really interesting to hear because that's a part of the game that I'm sure most fans will aware will be aware that happens, but probably not to the extent it happens or to the depth that we go oh, yeah. into. And especially with a, a coach like Carlos, uh, James, is it fair to say that perhaps more than most, information is important to him and and the meetings he does and, and the, the preparation that we go into is probably at a, a higher level and more in-depth than, than other coaches might be comfortable in doing? Oh, 100, 100%, yeah. Um, I think he's... Um, He's very big on the meetings, which from an analyst point of view is great because obviously you want someone who believes in analysis and, and wants yeah. to because obviously that's what we're there for. We're there to sort of facilitate the coach's needs. Um, yeah. Yes, a lot of meetings do go into, into games, whether it's sort of like Dan saying there's a lot of pre-match meetings or it can be a lot of post-match meetings. Um, but I think like Dan said, it's just trying to find the right balance in terms of because the if you've got a three-game week, for example, you can't overload the players too much because otherwise then the the brains are scrambled. Like you can't have three or four meetings on a day because otherwise the the mixed messages. So for example, yeah, game on a Saturday and you're doing too many meetings on a, on a Friday evening or Friday daytime. You don't know which game you're looking at. Were you looking at the previous game or the next game? Um, yeah. So a lot of work does go into it, which is great. And there's a lot of good work from all the guys um, that does go into it. Um, it's just trying to find the right balance of. What is enough and and the length of the meetings as well? Because obviously, like, there's only so much time you can you can stay switched on for. Um, in yeah, meetings, of course. Is it better to do a 10, 15 minute meeting where it's it's more visualization? Obviously, like when you mentioned about the Gary Neville stuff on a Monday night football, we do a lot of telestration, which sort of brings the clips to life, which is great. Because um, otherwise, sometimes lads are in meetings and they don't know what they're looking for. Um, yeah, but then even just adding a the simple of a, a, a little circle or a spotlight can just bring it all to life and it's great. Um, or on the flip side, you do a meeting that's an hour long, which um, you sort of lose track of, of of what the actual meeting was. I'm not saying that happens, yeah. um, but it's just trying to find the right balance of what, what is right and what is wrong for the players. Um, but yeah. I think the shorter meetings are a lot better. I think the lads can leave the meetings that they know what the messages are. It's whether you pick out three key objectives, um, short and sweet, yeah. and then you go on to the next game or the next meeting. Uh, but yeah, Carlos is massive on the analysis, which is great to see for us. Um, but I think analysis is all about trying to find the right balance of of how much he gives to the players and the right information he gives to the players. Dan, when we're in a sort of a, a three-game week or, or there is, a, you know, games coming thick and fast as they often do in the Championship, a lot of the, the post-game stuff that you do, how quickly do we take that message and take the lessons from a game on board? And then how quickly do we then turn attention to the next match? Because as as Beck says, we, we can't be, you know, still living in last week's game. We, can, we can't now, 48 hours away from Coventry, still be thinking about Barnsley and all that sort of stuff. I'm not saying it happens, but just an, an example. Like, How quickly are you able to do that turnaround? Is it just a quick... You know, digest of, of what happened in this game, and then now it's we're looking forward to Tuesday, Wednesday night, and and this is the the focus now. Yeah. Um, so even during the game when it's live, um, we are clipping sort of like summary clips, and of course we are impacting at half time in terms of yeah, you know, a playlist of stuff to refer to even at half time so that we can try and impact the game at that point. But for the post match stuff, um, there tends to be yeah a lot of 
almost like summarizing a game while it's happening. So these events keep happening. We keep on maybe getting exploited in a particular way. They're getting a little bit of success by, you know, attacking us, you know, going playing through the thirds and sort of breaking lines against us maybe. Um, yeah. So we're having to sort of almost create a summary before the game even ends so that straight after that game, um, the coaches are able to take, you know, the footage with them, you know, various angles of the game so they can, again, view it in different ways, be it for the individual battles that they need to inform um, and analyse post-match or just the general team stuff from a more tactical view. Um, so straight away after the game, like instantly, like that is going to the coaches. The coaches have access to that game almost like the second it finishes, we can almost turn it over and make sure that they can, you know, go and review the games. Um, in terms of the time, of course, when you have a seven-day Saturday-Saturday sort of break, that means there's a lot more time to analyse the game, um, rightly or wrongly. Um, maybe there should be consistencies within practice in terms of, OK, it doesn't matter if we have one or two days to analyse this team because we've got, you know, seven days here between games or we're actually going Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday. Probably you want to have some consistency behind it in terms of making sure that the players aren't, you know, okay, so it's why is it always different? Why are we always overanalyzing at different times? Um, so trying to make sure that the players are sort of, you know, given the same consistency, the same messages in terms of these are the meetings, this is how we analyze a team, these are the amount of days we're going to do for that opposing yeah. team. And straight after that, okay, we need to forget about that take the positive messages onto the pitch, make sure that they, you know, go into the next game. But of course, make sure that we are adapting to almost getting rid of any of the weaknesses or areas where we perhaps struggled previously in games. Yes. Um, make sure that, we, you know, you're going into the game in the best positive sort of position in a mental state. And of course, as well, just, you know, tactically feeling confident um, going into the next sort of game. So, yeah, it can be... It, it can be very different, of course, because you have a lot of time Saturday to Saturday. There is a lot of time there because if we're able to do it Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, and that is an awful process because there's so much to do in such a little time. Um, of course, you do have more time on that seven days and naturally there are more things that crop up and the coaches sort of want to look into other areas and maybe we need to review like the previous six-week block in terms of a particular phase in the game. So. We might have Danny looking at the playing out, for example, and that's given a little bit more detail and content because we have time to do so. So you almost have to make sure that you have a nice sort of schedule leading into things. You're well ahead of time and this is the plan. That When we get to this period of time here, seven to seven days or seven days for the two games, yeah. we can actually now adapt and maybe look at something different. That's quite interesting. Um, one thing that I wanted to, to ask either of you, possibly back as the, as the head of the department is a lot of what you guys do is obviously theory based but football by its very nature is a practical game and a practical endeavour how do you you've touched on striking a balance a lot but how does your work then feed into the practical side of it because obviously the reason you're doing this is to help them when they're on the field when they're be that the, the match day or training how can you do you have any examples of a meeting or a piece of analysis going from you guys to an assistant coach, then going onto the field and, and doing something on the pitch. Is there a passage of play or something that's happened at some point in the past in the season at all that you could highlight as, as sort of showing that journey from, you know, Dan or Mackenzie or yourself pulling it up on a screen one day, spotting it, 
telling Narcissus Jorge or Danny about it, Carlos being, you know, getting wind of it and then, you know, it finding its way to the players. Is there, is there a, an, an example where you can sort of wrap up the process? question um <laughs> sorry for putting you on the spot no, no 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 it's all right i'm just trying to think um i think instead of it instead of being like a pinpoint moment i think what i take from the post-match meetings is that um for example if you're working with sort of uh, danny scofield is looking to play now um yeah. i think it's just sort of for the players for example if we're in the build phase and we're playing the back three for example a lot of the emphasis is on driving and fixing uh, yeah. sort of trying to drive into the space instead of taking passes earlier. And I think, for example, there might have been a game where I think Levi or maybe Tom Lees, for example, is not stepping in when they've got the space to do so because obviously by driving into that space, it allows players what we call driving and fixing. So you're fixing mm -hmm. opposing players to then create space for the players. And yeah. by doing that small detail, um, can create a lot of good success for us in the build phase. So, for example, like... I remember Danny was saying to Levi um, in one of the means, you know, exploit the space, drive into it because you've got so much time, you're good on the ball, you can carry the ball forward for us and you can actually commit players because if teams aren't going to press you, there's no point in releasing the ball too early because otherwise you're just giving them what they want. So yeah. I'd say, for example, I remember Levi not doing it and then in the next game, he actually then stepped in start committing players and then he's breaking line passes, he's playing into, for example, like Toffs on the left-hand side or the eights like Lewis O'Brien and Hoggy in the midfield and break yeah. lines and then it's allowing them to turn on the half space and drive forward <laughs> and even just by that small little detail of something I can think of top of my head it just creates so much more success it actually breaks teams just by that little minute detail and there's yeah. so many more examples of that in what I see in the post-match meetings as well um, which I think it's just them small little margins, them little one percent that can can change games and can get you three points or or cannot get you three points. Um, but yeah. that, that's what I would say as an example of what of what I've seen in post match means. I think exactly yeah. on that as well. Even with that example with Levi, I think it must have been the Birmingham game. So we, for me, we absolutely were all over Birmingham in that game, and we should have, you know, that game should have certainly been a game we should have won. But Levi yeah. in that game was doing exactly that. He was stepping in and breaking the line. And on, during the game, we were sort of impacting it in terms of getting Dwayne to step between the lines of their back line yeah. midfield. So it was huge in terms of like how often Dwayne was getting success in just basically exploiting that zone you know, where the 10 would sort of usually position himself. So Dwayne okay. was drifting across the pitch. Levi was stepping in and fixing and then he would break the line and he would almost go through two lines in terms of the forwards and midfields and straight into Dwayne and then Dwayne would basically have a position of their centre-half would step out with him and the, suddenly then we've got a 2v2 with the forwards in the forward line. So I think that was a you know like a really good example with the Levi one but in that game exactly like Dwayne was just you know creating so many opportunities and getting in so much space and that was a perfect example I think of how we were sort of able to you know get those messages onto the pitch um pre-match in terms of the Levi stuff with Danny in terms of how he can do that and then obviously we had pre-match scene that they you know they tend to follow in terms of their back line defenders stepping in with with players um, okay. Wayne was stepping in there and yeah he just had so much time and ability to sort of then create chances and it's 
yeah, a really frustrating one from memory in terms of that we should have really won that game, but it was a really good performance. And those are some of the sort of messages that are definitely, I think, you know, reflecting back that we, you know, have sort of impacted really well on in a recent game or a game not too long ago, should we say? Yeah. One thing that, that we have had real success in this season is our set players. Is that something that has happened through meetings and obviously through analysis and, and through hard work mm. as well? It's, it's not something that's just going to have happened with chucking a ball in the box and trying to get somebody on the end of it, is it? So we know as our team, this is how we attack in certain ways. So we have X amount of routines that we will rotate right. and use, but or we're therefore never going to adapt to the opposition. They're going to have to adapt to us. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, it helps that Sorber at the start of the season, especially, has sort of come into the team and done really well in terms of his set play delivery. Because if that delivery is not right, it doesn't matter how good you know our start points are and our end points are for meeting the ball at the end of the set play. We need that delivery to be spot on. So yeah, yeah. Sorber's definitely helped, and so has Danell. Danell's like, set play is very good as well. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we've been a lot more consistent on the delivery, and I think that had a big impact. But of course, on the other end of things, we've had uh, Tom Lee's coming to the side and Matty Pearson. Matty's been like incredible in terms of the numbers he was getting early season. It was almost like yeah. every game I felt, do you know what, we're going to get a set player and Matty's going to be on the end of it. Like It's just it's just going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, there's been a lot of work behind it. Um, stuff I mentioned earlier with Narciss working with Sports Code and the way he's analysing post-match set plays. So he's always looking okay. at what we have done previously. Um, myself and Mackenzie going into the team, uh, into the sort of pre-match build-up for the set plays. We're looking at the oppositions. Um, so between the two of us, when me or Maka sort of come together with Narcissus and we sort of really mm-hmm. break down, okay, these were our strengths previously. Last game we did this, that. This is what the opposition will do. Therefore, we should be you know coming together and doing this with our set structures. Yeah. I think that's had a. I do think that really had an impact. Um, it's probably sort of numbers have probably fallen off in recent games. And that's something that I think myself and Narciss have sat down and discussed in terms of why that might be. Yeah. Um, it's certainly something that, you know, it's such 30 to 40, 30 to 40% of goals tend to come from set plays. It's a right. huge area. Um, mm-hmm. And we've definitely dedicated more time to it because we understand that if it's 30, 40% and we're only training five minutes out of, you know, the whole week in a build-up, that's not enough time because it's such mm-hmm. a huge percentage. Right. Um, so, yeah, we've we've given it a lot more time. There's been a lot more sort of go into it. Narcissus has been great with that. Um, it's, yeah, I think it definitely shows that if you put that work and detail into it, you can make, you know, a big difference. But... Like I've said, at the end of the day, it can always just come down to that delivery. And if you're not getting that delivery right and you're not getting to your end point at the right time, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. And I'm conscious of your both of your points about not in, not giving too much information at once. I'll make this my, my last question before people are overloaded watching this. Um, obviously, we have our own analyst department, but other teams will have their analyst departments. Do you guys find in-game or you know, during games or, or you know, post and previous that it can become a bit chessy that people are trying to second guess what you guys are going to be doing, what the message you're going to be giving is. They're trying not to be found out or be too predictable the same way we will be. Set plays is, is possibly a good example, Dan. People have sort of perhaps cottoned on to one or two of our set plays and they're defending them better than they may have been doing you know, earlier on in the season. Is it? Is it 
a constant thing for you guys that you you're not only just looking inwardly at how we're analyzing ourselves, but also how we might be being analyzed, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. Definitely, I think at the end of the day, I think obviously the with the analyst department, obviously his main job is to facilitate the coach and the style of play that Carlos has, for example. Yeah, because our style is not going to change as much in sort of in and out of possession. It, it's hard to sort of then try and uh, in terms of change it differently in terms of how we approach analysis. I think obviously other clubs have their ways of analysing opponents and some can be discreet. Some Sometimes at games they might come and talk to you about what, what they've done and how they've approached the game. Um, and others can cannot even say a word to you and it's, it's just in the zone. But yeah, I think in terms of how we analyse games, I don't think it changes as much because obviously it's what the coaches want. Um, yeah. A lot of teams might have it where the analyst has more of an actual input. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not saying we don't have an input into obviously the process. Obviously, kind of Jorge and Narciss and Danny are really good with these guys in terms of how they approach the games and, and sort of can try and sort of drip in little bits of what they think. Um, it's not just yeah. the coach's voice and that's it. Some clubs it is. It's just the coach swearing nothing. So you literally just have to prep the game how the coach wants it. Um, but right. I think because analysis is becoming more of that tactical sort of role and, and almost like a coaching role in a sense, um, yeah, I think their voices are being heard more now. Um, okay, and like I say, it's not just us, you know, filming the game, clipping it up, that's it done. I think Dan and Mac have a really good input with the coaches now in terms of yeah. how they see the game, and, and the coaches are really receptive of that. Um, okay. And I think the way we analyse games, yes, we can change our process and try and make it um, significantly easier for us or better in how we approach games. But I think um, it all depends on how the coach is with, with you, um, is how I would say it is. Okay. And what about yourself, Dan? Have you, have you got any insight into that as well? No, I think like, James covered it really well. I think you get... There's obviously... A lot of analysts, and I wouldn't dig out analysts, like there are, it's a hard job. You spend so many hours and it's almost like a thankless task at times because of the amount of hours it takes to analyse an opponent. Yeah. There are analysts out there who, you know, have got into the game and they, it's because they love football and they almost don't have a passion to sort of want to, you know, like, do you know what? I actually want to be involved here. I don't just want to have the job title and be an analyst. Yeah. I actually want to impact and have a value. And I think that can be quite telling with some analysts. And sometimes, like, I think you almost said it yourself, do you know what? Like, we're all going to be watching each other. We all understand that, you know, you can do these different things and obviously people are going to do it to a different level than others. Yeah. But some are almost, like, just happy to, you know, get along, just, you know, I've watched this game, I gave the clips to the coach and that was me done. And it's like no you want to be impacting the game you need to show that you are valuable to the club you are impacting performance um and some think that they've got like a secret so sometimes you can speak to analysts on a match day and they're like breaking <laughs> away like because it's like they almost like hold the key and it's like well <laughs> if the players don't you know get the messages and don't show it on the pitch then it doesn't matter what your secret is because you're not impacting performance <laughs> yeah um, so you've really got to make sure that, you know, do you know what, like there's so many messages and ways of giving information to players and we just have to make sure that we give, you know, the most valuable ones and we really have to make sure that 
you know, the coaches are getting the right detail because it, at the end of the day, that 90 minutes is what's going to show that value. Um, relationships with coaches are always different, always interesting. Um, I think now you get a lot that are sort of more so valued by the assistant team because the assistant team to a coach or a head coach tend to have you know like a bigger say in terms of the content that gets provided gets put together and then provided to the players and that's because the manager has so many you know different departments and information coming to him all the time that needs to be condensed and you no know, further condensed to him yeah. via his assistant coaches um so it definitely helps when you know you have good people and i think we definitely have good people at, at huddersfield we've got you know coaches that are very you know considerate of the amount of hours we put into games they're understanding that you know free time isn't really a thing like today is going to be just another day or, you know as soon as i've mac is um, of course preparing for coventry primarily i'm looking further forward at bristol but knowing that bristol's almost covered now and that's still like a week away i've already got to be looking at forest on the 30th so yeah. they come so thick and fast that like yeah it's, it's important that the coaches understand you know what like there's a lot of time here maybe i can help maybe like they can watch a game as well and i think that's all about relationships you've just got to you know you know deal with people in the right way and mm -hmm. yeah there's too many maybe analysts out there that are not willing to show that they can you know get, like connect on that personal side and make yeah. sure they are valued and vice versa they value you know when they are seen to be valued and do you know what? If we all work together, like we can, you know, work towards results in a better way and get them more, more likely, I guess. Yeah, that's interesting to hear. I think that was that's really interesting, lads. I think it was, it was sort of a, a really good insight into an area of the game that you know I'm I'm in canal side every day with you guys, and I have no idea to the depth you guys go because I just I don't have the the time to sit with you and, and see it. So for fans who you know watch us once, twice, three times a week, they'll have no idea how much we do but i think it's good for people to have an awareness of just how much goes into a match day and into a performance and things like that because yeah it's quite interesting first and foremost and, and secondly it's quite impressive just the the sophistication of our footballing operation i think and it's something that um i don't think many clubs give too much of an insight into perhaps because <laughs> like dad says they're scared of giving some yeah secret <laughs> exactly away, but um yeah, it's, I appreciate the time you've given us, boys, and um, hopefully we can um, we can catch up at some point later on down the season. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Appreciate Excellent. Thank you very much um, to, to James and Dan for joining us today, and, and thank you very much for, for to Sportsbrook for making this show possible.